My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. And welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Pastor Lennett Anderson and Anne Devine. In 2009, a woman named Andrella David stopped in a Sobeys grocery store near her home in Nova Scotia to buy some ice cream to take home for her daughter. She was waiting in line to pay when she heard someone shouting, something about stealing and video and you people, and she realized the yelling was at her. Publicly and vocally, a store official accused her of shoplifting and said a number of derogatory and disrespectful things and then claimed they had her on tape. Knowing full well she had done nothing of the kind, she demanded to see the tape. And, other than the fact that both she and the woman on the video were black, they looked nothing alike. David took Sobeys to the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission, and after a lengthy process, she received a ruling in her favor from a board of inquiry in 2015. In response, Sobeys expressed concerns about the fairness of the process and exercised its right to appeal, naming not just the Human Rights Commission, but also Andrella David herself in that appeal, which guarantees she will face yet more stress, yet more time in the public eye, and yet more days of lost work, all because she was a target of racial profiling and decided to stand up for herself. Anne Devine, one of today's guests, is a management consultant, and in earlier years she worked as the manager for race relations, equity, and inclusion at the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission. She and her colleagues at the commission published a groundbreaking study on consumer racial profiling in Nova Scotia in 2013. The study demonstrated what many black and other racialized folks in the province and indeed across the continent already know. Racial profiling in stores is widespread and traumatic for those profiled. It can include being followed by store personnel, being served slowly or not at all, being harassed by other customers or by staff, being accused of theft, or a range of other experiences. Pastor Lennett Anderson is the senior minister at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Upper Hammonds Plains, a historic African Nova Scotian community. Andrella David attends his church. Recently, the church community organized a rally at the Sobeys store in question to tell the store that if it felt that it must appeal, rather than simply abiding by the ruling and instituting policies to prevent future racial profiling, it should at least remove Andrella David's name from the suit and spare her more years of hardship. Sobeys has so far refused. And beyond supporting a specific individual, the community is keen to draw broader attention to the issue in hopes that stores and policymakers will begin to make the changes that might make racist humiliation while shopping a thing of the past. Devine and Anderson speak with me about the realities of racial profiling in consumer contexts, about Andrella David's case in particular, and about efforts both to support her and to bring attention to the issue more broadly. We spoke by Skype to phone from Nova Scotia. My name is Leonard Anderson, and I am the senior pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Upper Hammers Plains, Nova Scotia. 
Abraham explains is a historic black community in the province of Nova Scotia, and I've been pastoring I. Emmanuel Baptist for the last 17 years. The community was founded in April of 1813 by three refugees from the War of 1812. I am seventh generation Nova Scotian and just come from a long lineage of strength and resilience and are proud people who call Nova Scotia home. So we are a very tight community, very committed to unity and the common cause. We're on the outskirts of the downtown core, so a marginalized community. But we are very connected, a lot of family connections and community events. The church is the center of the community, is strategically placed in the center of the community. Although we were a communal church, because of growth over the last several years, we have become a commuting church. So the congregants travel some over an hour to meet here for weekly worship services. We've gone from a black congregation to a predominantly black to a very diverse congregation today where we celebrate 28 ethnicities, a nationality that gather under one roof on a Sunday morning to show our unity in Christendom. And so we are a very supportive congregation, and I am fully engaged in this process of breaking the silence concerning racial profiling because it affected one of the members of our community and church family who was falsely accused, and therefore we are standing in solidarity with Ms. David in her struggle against further injustice. My name is Andy Vine, and I am the founder of Ashanti Leadership and Professional Development Services, which is a management consultancy. I have been living in Nova Scotia for the past 12 years, I came from the UK in 2004. For part of that period, I worked as the manager for race relations, equity and inclusion at the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission. And I guess the reason why Pastor Leonard invited me was because of the study that I led along with a number of other colleagues in consumer racial profiling in 2012. The report was published in 2013 and it was the first of its kind in Canada on consumer racial profiling. We decided to embark on this study at the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission because we were receiving several complaints from individuals about their shopping experience not being rewarded in the sense that they were being followed, they were being ignored, they were being treated disrespectfully by consumers and by shop assistants in various parts of the province. And so we decided, well, let us have a look at the incidents of this and see if everyone's shopping experience is the same. And indeed, when we started out, we didn't actually ask people about their race or their ethnicity. The questions were designed by ourselves. They were vetted by St. Mary's University Ethics Committee to ensure that they were fair and that they weren't controversial in any way. When we set about doing this particular study, we looked at HRM. And HRM stands for Halifax Regional Municipality. We looked at HRM, the inner city Nova Scotia. We looked outside in places like Digby and Sydney, as well as Indigenous Reserve, which is the Millbrook community. 
and we questioned them within the last 12 months as to what their shopping experience was. And the information began to emerge that they were frequently being ignored, given slow service, they were either refused service, they were being followed around in stores, questioned about their ability to purchase the goods, and even targeted by being verbally abusive. In instances, they were being searched or detained. And this was across different ages, including our elderly in particular. Some of them were terrified. The experiences that people have had that they found that they were really terrified and humiliated that they did not even discuss this with their families. They just kept it to themselves and suffered in silence until the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission started the study. And then we began to find out the extent of which this was happening across different consumer experiences. It could be in a restaurant, it could be at a gas station, a shopping mall. It didn't matter where they were, the experiences were similar. After you released the report, what kinds of reactions did you get from the community, from the media, and what kind of follow-up was there from governments and businesses? We didn't have the kind of follow-up that we would have liked to have got from the stores, for example, but we did get a lot of publicity. I spoke on the radio for an hour on Marnoon, answering questions about consumer racial profiling. There was a lot of publicity on the television and written in the media. So there was a lot of media attention. But for some reason or other, the stores or even the consumer council, they were very quiet on this issue. It's almost as if it was passed on to someone else, as if, oh, it's not our fault, it's the security guards. But then the security guards are employed by the stores. So if it was going around in circles, actually, we could never actually get to who we needed to identify to work very closely with. And then after that, I left the commission. So I can't really comment on what happened after I left, but I do know while I was there, we did try very hard to engage with the store owners, but to no avail. And tell me more about the kinds of impacts that being racially profiled in this way had on the people that you talked to in the course of doing the study. Well, as I said, it's quite degrading and quite humiliating. It was across the board. The questions were related to people age 18 and over. But during the time when I did the radio interview, a young girl, I don't think she was more than 10 or 12, with the guidance of her parents, phoned up and said, well, um, this happened to my friend. We went into the store together. My friend was detained and kept there, and I wasn't, and she didn't do anything. So it's not just happening to our elderly people, it's happening to all of us. And so therefore, as a community, as a people, we have been very silent for a long time and many people have suffered in silence because it's such a humiliating experience. You're leaving the store, you're being followed, you're being, it doesn't matter whatever time or day or night, you are a suspicious person, you enter the store. Even when you go to the counter using your credit card to pay for the item, it's still being checked, triple checked, to see whether if you are the person who owned the card or your ability to pay for the item if you're paying in cash is often questioned. And, you know, a friend of mine told me when he went to get the engagement ring for his now wife, he was told he was given another ring saying, this is probably more suited to your pocket. And he had to say, well, you don't know how deep my pocket is. You know, this is what I want. Can I have it, please? 
And I've had similar experiences myself where I have been challenged and so therefore there are certain stores that I will not buy from. That has been my experience and I know that it's the experience of other people as well. Tell me about Andrella David's experience. She was a single parent who was simply going in to buy ice cream for her daughter. And while in the lineup to pay for the ice cream, heard these shouts from the store assistant manager who approached her and just publicly started spewing these accusations of, uh, we're tired of you people from Pawkwalk. I need to highlight that the community is called Upper Hammonds Plains. The street that runs through our community is Pawkwalk. So the church building is on Pawkwalk Road, but I don't hail from Pawkwalk. I hail from the historic African Nova Scotian community of Upper Hammonds Plains. Nevertheless, the comments were, you people from Pawkwalk in here every Tuesday shoplifting, you know, is this check day being the end of the month? Just the assumptions that were communicated. And Ms. David talks about the humiliation. She stood there in shock, praying that it was someone behind her that was being addressed until she got tapped on the shoulder. And when she turned around, the person talked about video surveillance that they have of her. And she demanded to see the surveillance, if you have it. So they confidently took her to the back room. They were so confident it was her on the videotape. And to her surprise, she said the person is a much darker complexion, different, built different, height different, hair, texture, and style, and length. And so she said she put herself right against the screen and said, if you think this person is me, then you think all black people look alike. You know, she said she just stood there in utter shock. Because she said, by the natural eye, there was no similarities whatsoever. And I'm so glad that Sylvie's had the opportunity to present those video footage to the Human Rights Commission. And you see the verdict that was founded. We as a church obviously was watching very closely, but not involved in the process. It's something that occurred in 2009, but thankfully that by September of 2015, the Board of Inquiry with the Human Rights Commission here in Nova Scotia found that Sobe staff falsely accused Ms. David of shoplifting, and this false accusation was found to be the result of racial profiling by Sobe's. We as a community applauded the decision of the Nova Scotia Human Rights Tribunal which cleared Miss David's name. And we're just so grateful as a community. We watched her go through this entire ordeal, and it broke our hearts. We were deeply disturbed to hear of the appeal and that they will be forcing her to go through this process yet again. It was deeply disturbing to know that someone who's been falsely accused, someone whose name has been cleared, Someone who is deeply wounded and publicly humiliated will be dragged through a process again simply because of a perceived bias in the process. I think that's the most upsetting thing, that Sobeys is accusing the commission of a perceived bias. I think that's almost laughable, but I should say probably ironic, that they are crying bias in a case of racial profiling. And yet they are knowingly dragging an innocent woman 
against whom they have racially discriminated back through this process just to serve their own purpose again. And so as a community, we wanted to show the strength of unity. We wanted to stand together and make our opposition known. We know that they have a judicial right to appeal. I'm not asking them to stop the appeal. I'm asking them to not include Ms. David in their appeal. That if they want to address the commission and the perceived bias in that, then please address that. Fight that. Fight the process. But not use Ms. David as a pawn in the appeal process. We watch her many days off of work. And that's why we talk about how inconvenient this would be to drag her through this process again. She's already missed so many days of work. She's representing herself. And yet we applaud her efforts because she has no background in law. So we want to just assure her that she's not in this fight alone. That's why we decided to do a demonstration and really give voice to the solidarity. That Ms. David, we support you. And even if you have to go through this process again, we will be here standing with you and championing the cause because all of us understand this reality in society, that it is dangerous to be shopping while black in Nova Scotia. I even had one of the local politicians say to me, it seems that every time there's an issue, your community raises the race card. And I was hurt by that comment because of the relationship I have with this counselor. But I reminded him that race is not a card that I play. Race is a life that I live. This is not a game. Racism is not skin deep. It is bone deep. And we are just appalled that Sobeys, that they don't see it as a necessary ill to correct in corporate culture. And not just Sobeys, but to every owner, every store, every business. We would love to be treated as consumers worthy of purchasing product. And Anne, maybe you could talk in a bit more general terms about how the process works. So if someone has an experience like this and they decide to take a complaint to the Human Rights Commission, what is their experience when they walk through the doors of the Commission? First of all, when they come through the commission doors, there is usually an intake officer. That person does not determine. They would listen very carefully to the individual's complaint. It will then go through a process whereby it is written up and presented to the senior management team. The case will be reviewed and it would be looked at thoroughly. The Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission and its commissioners are not the ones who determined whether discrimination has occurred. It will go to the commissioners, which they are 12 independent individuals who represent the members of the public, and together we will review the case, and if they cannot determine that a case is to be dismissed, it will be sent to a board of inquiry where they cannot determine whether discrimination has occurred. And that's very important because oftentimes people think it's the commissioners who does that. But appointed by the Chief Justice of Nova Scotia are board chairs. And they are the board of inquiry chairs who would sit and who will hear the case in its entirety. And then they will make a determination as to whether discrimination has occurred. And so, therefore, although it is the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission's case 
at the end, it's the representative of the Nova Scotia justice system that makes that determination as to whether discrimination has occurred. So it's a very complex process. It does indeed take a long time, unfortunately, but we often want to ensure that everything is done in a manner which is satisfactory to both the commissioners, to the chief justice, or the person who sits as the chair of the board of inquiry. Tell me more about the rally that the church community organized recently in support of Andrella David. We wrote letters. When I say we, it's the board of directors here at Emmanuel Baptist in Upper Hamas Plains. Because we were following the case and thought that as a community, we had to break the silence. Again, not just about Sobeys, but that this is a reality for many diverse groups in this province, and I would dare say in this country. And so we thought we had to heighten the awareness. So we made a press release, we as a board of directors and as a congregation, said that we wanted to make a public demonstration. And we informed Sobeys of that, that we would be on their property. We contacted the local RCMP office. The detachment is directly across the street. We wanted it to be a peaceful demonstration. I spoke to the manager of that location. I assured him that we would not be blocking doors, that we would not be keeping consumers out. We just wanted to be on the property, visually displaying our posters against injustice, against racial profiling, against discrimination and racism. And we were just there singing. We were singing spirituals. We thought as a community, not only do we have to support Miss David, but we have to ask the wider community to demonstrate a common unity against racial profiling. And I was pleasantly surprised by the turnout. I could not believe the number of clergy from different denominations. There were representation from different communities throughout the greater Halifax region, throughout the municipality. People made this a high priority. And so people gathered, and there was such a unity. There were people of different races holding hands, embracing one another. We were so encouraged by the media coverage. And when we sent out our press release, two things happened immediately. Our wider convention, the Convention of Atlantic Baptist Churches, that would be all the Atlantic Baptist churches in Atlantic Canada, 450-plus churches. The executive minister wrote a letter on behalf of our denomination encouraging our family churches to stand with us in this fight. Words will not express the gratitude that we had for the wider Christian community to say yes and amen to this worthy cause. The other piece that happened is that once the press release was given, we had a great response by media, but the former Lieutenant Governor of Nova Scotia, Dr. Mayan E. Francis, contacted me directly and said, Reverend Anderson, I will be present at the demonstration. I said, Your Honor, your mere presence will speak volumes to the community. I could not fathom the momentum that has been created. A day doesn't pass that I don't receive an email, a text, a voice message just encouraging me. Nova Scotians have really created a conversation in this province. What was most heartbreaking for me were the stories that came about at the demonstration. Yeah. That it was no longer about one person. 
But we yeah. heard story after story which said, this is such, the, the magnitude of this story. I, I, I guess maybe I was a little naive. <laughs> I, I did not expect so much emotion to be expressed at that event. And since the rally, has Sobeys responded to your request that they remove Andrella David's name from their appeal? Their legal counsel informed our lawyers that they will be proceeding with the appeal. So none of our actions have persuaded them to rethink their decision. And rather than fulfilling the requirements handed down by the commission's ruling, Sobeys management has chosen to fight that decision. Bigger than that, I think the story is how Scotians have responded. And they are displaying a unity that I've never witnessed before. So their adamant resolve to go ahead with the appeal is creating more and more conversation that we did not have. What further steps do you think need to be taken around this issue? I really can't give a concrete answer to that, unfortunately. We have another board of directors meeting on Wednesday. Our legal counsel will be there, and we will be talking about next steps. While I have some thoughts on my own, I will take the direction from the board of directors. There has to be a re-education of our society and a willingness to take responsibility for the actions that some of the stores take. Because this does have a tremendous impact on people's health and their well-being. It will have an impact on our community and on the next generation. And we are contributors to our economy. And so eventually, individuals will take their business elsewhere. We will use our buying power to shop elsewhere. We might choose not to shop in certain stores. We want to educate the public about the impact and the incidence of racism, racial discrimination, consumer racial profiling. And we have to start in the schools. We all have a duty and a responsibility to educate each other. We have to start with our young people. We have to go into the universities. We have to continue to have this conversation. It's a difficult conversation, but it needs to be had. Because sometimes our unconscious behavior the stories that we are told, the stories that we see on the TV and through the media often identify black people in a negative way, racialized people in a very negative way, First Nations people equally the same way. And so we need to change that somehow so that we all can feel that we belong and we are making a contribution and we are respected as members of our society. You have been listening to my interview with Anne Devine and Pastor Lennett Anderson. They've been speaking with me about a community response to the issue of consumer racial profiling, both in support of a specific individual and in an effort to challenge what is a common and traumatic experience for many black people, First Nations people, and people of color in Nova Scotia and across the continent. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.